All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at just a few verses in Luke, and then we're going to uh, be speaking about the point of this text. And what we'll see is glory to God and peace toward men are connected for a purpose. And so um, you might be here with a thousand things going on in your mind and in your heart. And yet one of the most important things that you have to get right is your relationship with God. Do you have peace with God? I can remember, <clears throat> you, you think about this, and a, a lot of times what I see with a lot of people is the idea that this isn't a big deal. I, I've made it this far. My situation with God, my relationship with God, my status before God is not on my mind uh, that much. I'm busy. I've got things to do. I can't worry about this. And it reminds me of my fourth grade self. And, and this is back when we had these things called Blockbuster. And at Blockbuster, they'd have these VHS tapes. And you'd go in and you'd pick out a movie. You'd have to rent it. And then you'd have to bring it back. Many of you guys don't know what I'm talking about. But trust me, <laughs> cool movies in Blockbuster. And so it's Friday. We go to Blockbuster. It's my mom and my sister. And my sister gets to pick a movie. And I get to pick a movie. Everything's going good until I turn the corner and look down the aisle of movies and see my fourth grade teacher, Mr. Sammons. What happened that day, that Friday, in fourth grade, I could not sit in my seat, nor did I want to, despite him again and again and again saying, Ben, I need you to sit down. Ben, I need you to be quiet. So what happened is we had the color chart. It went from green, which meant great, all the way down to blue, which means you probably shouldn't show up to school the next day. And then I was a station below blue. But you know what? I didn't care because it was Friday and I'm renting a movie and everything's good for the weekend until I saw Mr. Sammons. And of course, my mom sees him. Oh, hi, Mr. Sammons. How are you doing? Let me tell you about your son. Right. <laughs> so we go back to the car, no movie in hand. And uh, of course, discipline coming. But I could sense my level of anxiety rise and fear when I saw my teacher there. I didn't think he'd be there. This is the point. If you do not know Christ, if you do not have peace with God, one day you'll be standing before God and it'll be too late. And as terrified as I was as a fourth grader before Mr. Sammons, that's nothing compared to standing before God, having to give an account for my sin with no one standing in the gap for me. Before a most holy, all-powerful, all-knowing God, nothing is hidden. That's terrifying. And so, what I want us to see as we march towards Christmas is, man, peace has been offered. And you can have peace if you know the peacemaker. And so know the peacemaker. If you remember last week, we talked about uh, how God loves us, right? We, we went with the verse that most of us know, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And we started this thing called Advent. And all that means is arrival, right? We're waiting for Jesus to show up. He showed up and we celebrate. So four weeks before Christmas, we start our march towards the birth of Christ, and the first theme that we looked at is how much God loves us. Do we deserve to be loved by God? Absolutely not. 
right? Our sin has separated us from God. We have run from God. He should not have loved us. We were enemies to God. And yet, while we were still sinners, Christ dies for us. It shows the gift of love by giving it to those who don't deserve it. But then also, we see how much He loves us by how great a gift. If you think about the best gift you've ever given somebody, usually it goes to the person you really care the most about. And what we see with God the Father not withholding the Son, but sending Him on their rescue mission shows the lengths that God was willing to go so you could be rescued. And so we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, one of the reminders that we have at Christmas with the birth of Christ is that we know we are loved by God. But also, do you know you could have peace with God? Now, if you think about this, this is one of the greatest blessings you will ever experience in your life. It's better than any gift anyone else can give you. What Jesus accomplishes through His birth and through His death and resurrection, purchasing our peace is one of the greatest gifts you and I will ever experience. And so when we come to today, this is, and I know Facebook's getting a little bit dated. Most of you, especially the younger ones, are not on Facebook. They have this thing called a relationship status, right? A relationship status. You could go single, in a relationship, engaged, married. And then I like the one that says it's complicated, right? There's all sorts of these relationship statuses that you could choose. This is my fear. When it comes to God, I don't want it to be complicated. I want you to know where you stand before God. Now, whether you have peace with God or not, that's on you. But at least you'll know. I know where I stand before God. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, I have peace with God because of what Jesus has done for me. And so I want you to know the same thing. And so that's what we're looking at today. And so in your Bibles, we're looking at Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 11 through 14 and then we'll dig in. All right, Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. I think that's interesting. That's the sign, right? All babies are wrapped in some cloths. But what makes this baby stand out is that he's in a manger. He's in a barn and a feeding trough. You usually don't put babies in the feeding trough. You especially don't put Christ the Lord in a feeding trough. Do you see how humble Jesus burst onto the scene? The eternal God who becomes man lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, now I want you to get this in your mind. You're out there, you're keeping sheep, you've done this a hundred times. So think about wherever you're working, right? You go to work, it's a normal day, but then all of a sudden an angel shows up and says, hey, there's something really important going on, you need to know about this. And then hundreds and hundreds of angels show up. All heaven breaks loose to send this message. And this is the message, it's verse 14. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to, so whatever's going on is bringing glory to God in the highest. And then on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so we're going to see how glorifying God is connected to living with peace before God. All right, I'm going to pray and then we're going to do some work. 
Father, I thank you for gathering a people together. Lord, I ask that you do what only you can do. Open up minds, open up hearts. Lord, I know that there are people here who have no idea what it means to be at peace with you. But they can. And so, Father, we thank you for sending Jesus. I pray for the first time you open up eyes. And then I pray for those that know what it means to have peace with you. That they apply it to their lives on a daily basis. That they grow in that peace. And that they become peacemakers in this world. Father, help us understand this truth. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, number one, I want us to see just a little bit about this. Because what happens at Christmas? I want to make sure... All right, all the children are gone, right? At Christmas, you have a lot of things that are make-believe, right? Rudolph. Rudolph, not true, right? There is no reindeer flying around with a red nose, guiding the way for the sleigh. Tracy, quit making that face, right? If you do Elf on the Shelf, that's a lot of work on parents because that guy cannot hide himself. If you believe in Santa, you're going to be disappointed. And then you come to the manger and people are like, oh, yeah, it's Christmas. It's not just something you just set out. This is a reality. God became man. And I love what the angels did. Unto you is born this day. A specific day in history. An angel showed up to some shepherds and said, hey, right now, could have said December 8, 2019, if that was the time God had planned. But he picked a day. He says, right now, this day, there's a Savior born. This is a real day. We celebrate December 25th, but hundreds of years ago, this happened. This is a real day. And then he says, in the city of David, not only is it a real time, it's a real city. The city of David's Bethlehem. You can get there. You can get there today. It's 6,199 miles from where you're sitting right now. Right? You, you probably have to get some connection flights across the pond. But this is a real city, just like Newport, just like Covington, just like Cincinnati. God the Father had planned from eternity past that on a specific day he would send his son to a specific place. And the cool part is in Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, Isaiah said, hey, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Right? God knows exactly what he's doing. This is his plan. On a specific day, in a specific city, the Savior. If you've ever sinned against God, you're in need of a Savior. Here's the news. News flash. All of us in the room are in desperate need of a Savior. However you define who's good and who's not, nobody in the room comes close to the standard God has set, which is perfection. We've all messed up. Lied, greedy, lustful, selfish, fill in the blank. We are in desperate need of a Savior. And on a specific day, in a specific city, a Savior came. Not only that, we need the Messiah. You have Christ, right? What does Christ mean? Jesus Christ is not His last name, right? Brown is my last name. Christ is not Jesus' last name. That's a title. He was the promised one. The King who would have no end. The long-awaited one. When God said, hey, someone's coming to smash the head of the serpent, he's talking about Christ coming to destroy and fulfill all the promises of God. And then we see that he is also Lord. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. His kingdom will never end. He will defeat all of our enemies and give us peace forever. Now, why is this important? 
Because what the angels do is they give us a message as a result of this event. As a result of this event, you see in 2 verse 14, two things that are tied together and that we should keep tied together. Glory to God, we will have peace. If you live for the glory of God, you will have the peace of God. All right, so I'm going to do, we're going to do three things, three keys to peace. Number one, if you're going to have peace, you got to live for the glory of God. Keep this together. What the angels kept together, we keep together. God getting the glory, you and I getting the peace. The coming of Jesus on a specific day in a specific city brings glory to the Father. His plan of rescue is being executed perfectly. Look at His power to save. Think about His plan. From eternity past, He said, you know what, I want to go rescue them. How am I going to do that? If you're going to save somebody, it takes some power. And the, the more difficult the situation, the stronger the Savior needs to be. Right? So if there's a boat sinking... And you're out and you're going to go rescue people. You better have some powerful means to do that. You better have a big boat or you better be an excellent swimmer. Or you better have a something powerful to rescue. Well, when humanity was lost in sin, nobody was strong enough to save themselves or others. And so God sends himself and God the Son shows up. That is glorious that God loves us so much that he sends his son to the rescue. And so we see that his glory is connected in his plan. The God of peace is also the God of glory. How can you have this peace? I think this is important, right? Just because you're born doesn't mean you have peace. It means the opposite. There was one person, two, I guess, that experienced peace with God. And it lasted not long. Adam and Eve, what happens? They sin. Do they stay in the garden? Nope, they're kicked out. Sin separates people from God. And then you see the need for grace. Someone standing in the gap. So how do you and I have peace? You receive, you know, the peacemaker. That's why this baby that was born and lying in a manger is so important. Because he's God in the flesh who would live and die for your sin and my sin and then be raised from the grave so that you and I could have peace. And this is what you see again and again and again in the Bible. You see this in Colossians, right? You and I have peace with God because of what Christ has done on the cross. He is reconciling the world to himself. You see this in Galatians. You see this in Ephesians. Ephesians 2 is packed with this about how Jesus is our peace about how we have salvation through grace, through faith, by grace, alone, created in Christ. Everything is connecting to Him. He is our peace. So if you're going to have peace with God, it's only through what Christ has done. Have you ever given your life to Christ? Do you believe He can save you from your sin? It's, it's interesting, when it comes to this, living for the glory of God to experience peace, how many people miss this? And you can know the facts of Christmas, you can know the facts of Easter. That Jesus is God, that He was born, that He died, that He rose, that He's coming again. But if you don't live for the glory of God, if you don't live for Christ, He's not Lord of your life. You know the facts, but you don't know peace. The peace that God gives. I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I was out. We did it. We do this canoe trip with our high school students. Uh, we take the offensive line. Whenever you get big guys in a small boat, it gets exciting. 
And so we take our offensive line on a canoe trip over summer. We go Little Miami River and we always go in July. We go in July because it's dry and the river's low, right? So if you do tip, no one's going to drown. At least it's going to be more difficult to drown. We're going down the, the canoe trip. It's fine, but there's no water. Um, we didn't pack enough drinks. We get back to the cars. Uh, we dry off and we head to the, the closest restaurant, which was McDonald's. And you're hungry and you're thirsty, right? You don't want to drink little Miami water. Who knows what is in that river? So we get to this McDonald's and everybody orders, we pay. I get my sweet tea, they give you the cup, you get the sweet tea. And listen, McDonald's sweet tea um, is over the legal limit of sugar that should be in sweet tea. But it tastes fantastic, right? So I, I get the sweet tea, put that in, and this was when they had the styrofoam cups, right? So it stays cold. I put that down at our table and the guys are all eating, we're getting ready, and then they call our number, I go back up. And uh, listen, I'm getting my double cheeseburger, right? I'm focused. I'm not looking at the guys back at the table, seeing if they're messing with me or not. But there was one. Alex Vancini thought he'd have a great idea. He got numerous ketchup packets. He takes a ketchup packet, rips the top off, puts a straw in it, my straw that was in my sweet tea, folds it over, puts it back in my tea. Right? So I can't see it. I come back. I'm like, ah, oh, double cheeseburger, sweet tea. I'm ready. Go to take a big swig of sweet tea start taking a drink and man, I'm like, ah, I must be stuck on an ice cube. I don't know what's going on. Bottom. So I start wiggling around to take another big gulp. And all I get is this nasty ketchup in my mouth. Now listen, when you're really thirsty and you think you're getting sweet tea and you get ketchup, you're shocked, right? <laughs> what is, and I have no idea what's going on. Why is there ketchup in my sweet tea? Oh, you guys are, and then I look and so here's the problem. I will never, ever be able to get sweet tea if my straw is stuck in ketchup. In the same way, you will never, ever have the peace that God promises if you're not living for the glory of God. If your straw is stuck somewhere else, living for yourself, uh, living for somebody else other than Christ, you will not have the peace. There is only one way to have the peace of God, and it's living for the glory of God. So number one, if you're going to have the peace of God, you must, you must, you must be living for the glory of God. The angels kept it together. We have to keep it together. So my question is, are you living for the glory of God? We had a guy uh, this week at practice. He was, uh, it was just a tough day. And listen, I understand tough days. As a matter of fact, I think a lot of you guys are tired this morning. There's a lot of junk going around, a lot of sickness going around. I understand that. And I, I talked to him. I was like, you love Jesus, right? And he's like, yes, yes. I go, you understand when you practice, when you don't feel like it, you can still glorify God because you're living for his glory, not yourself. Right? You have an opportunity to glorify God by doing things for His glory, whether you feel like it or not. And I don't think a lot of guys live for the glory of God. And so I know that most people don't experience the peace of God. I know that for a fact at Holmes High School. I know that for a fact in our city. A city desperate for peace. They, we do not live for the glory of God. We will not experience the peace of God. So let this be a spot where peace is raining down. My prayer is that we are consumed with living for the glory of God so that our lives can be saturated in the peace of God. All right, so number one, one key for peace is live for the glory of God. Number two, believe in the promises of God. Believe in the promises of God. Um, if you're taking notes, this is Romans 15, 13. All right, Romans 15, 13. And it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit we may abound in hope. So peace comes through believing in the promises of God. 
Peace flows through believing the promises of God. Promises are very, very powerful. Right? You, you see this with every wedding when the vows are given. Right. And, and people are making a promise. Right. So Julianne was willing to commit the rest of her days and I'm willing to commit the rest of my days to Julianne. Uh, sickness or in health, rich or poor, till death alone shall separate us. Right. And so you see this promise in a marriage is based on promises to each other and before God. Like promises are very, very powerful. But here's the problem when you're dealing with people. People are prone never to keep their promises. And you guys see this. We all see this. People say something, but they can't keep their promises. This is why this is so important. God has never, ever broken a promise. And so when you're digging into the word and you see something that God has said he will do, you can rest assured that he's doing it. All of his promises are kept. So if you want peace, go to the peacemaker who never, ever, ever breaks his promises. And I'm just thinking some of the promises that I believe. I believe that Jesus can save me from my sin. I believe that his death on the cross was sufficient to save me from my sin. All the junk that I've done, that I'm doing, that I will do, God is able to forgive me. Why? Because he's made that promise. I believe that God is working in my life. I believe that God is working in your life. I believe that he's working in the life of this church. I believe he's working in the city. I believe that. I see it in his word. I believe that I am justified before God. So that one day when I stand before God, he will say, come on in, not depart from me. I never knew you because of what Christ has done on the cross. Justified is a big deal. Right. You can stand before God because of what Christ has done for you. He takes your sin. He gives you his righteousness. That's what justified means before God. You're OK. I believe that. I trust in that promise. I believe that I have peace with God because of Christ, what He did on the cross. I believe that I have eternal life, right? That's John 3, 16. That's what we went over last week. Everyone who believes has eternal life. If you don't believe, perishing. I believe that. I believe that. That's a very important message to get at. And then finally, I believe that God's working all things according to our good and His glory. Right? And the Bible's filled with promise after promise after promise. If you want a life of peace, you have to believe in the promises of God. And unlike people, God never, ever breaks his promises. That's where peace flows from. And then finally, I want us to be filled with the spirit of God. And this is just Galatians 5.22. Um, I think this is interesting, right? The G, uh, Jesus promises to his disciples another helper, right? Someone like him. Can you imagine how peaceful the disciples should have been? Should have felt at peace, right? Jesus is with you. Can you imagine day in and day out walking with Jesus? Things should be good. But we know they're not. Because we've read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. And so there's a storm. They're out in the boat. And instead of trusting in Jesus, what do they do? They start to panic. Jesus is asleep down under the boat. They go to wake him up. Jesus, do you not care that we're dying? Hey, in case you didn't know, there's this huge storm. Waves are blowing. Wind's blowing. Waves are getting in the boat. What are we going to do? And what does Jesus say? You of little faith. You didn't believe in the promises. And then he says, peace be still. And the wind stops, the waves calm. Everything's done. Can you imagine walking with Jesus day in and day out? Peter, uh, they go to Peter's house and his mom's sick. And Jesus is like, be well. And Peter's mom's made well. There's a food shortage. 
right? They've been walking around with Jesus for three days and there's thousands of people and Jesus is like, feed them. And they're like, oh, you can see the stress level going up in the disciples. Like, uh, Jesus, I don't know if you know this. We don't have enough money, right? Judas is keeping the money. You know, there's not enough money there. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough food. If we, what are we going to do? What, you want us to send them home? And Jesus is like, no, feed them. Basically, they had a Lunchable in our day's menu. They'd have a Lunchable with some rich crackers and some ham and some, tur and some uh, cheese. Now, do you think we could feed everybody here? We haven't eaten for three days, right? We'll just use this group. We won't use the thousands of people there. Just us. Nobody's eating for three days. We have one Lunchable. How do you think that's going to go? Right? Someone's probably going to die trampling over people to get to the cheese and the crackers. Right? We got one lunch. You can't do it. But what does Jesus do? Feeds everybody and there's enough for 12 baskets left over. Do you see the peace that should be permeating the disciples? Then you have Mary and Martha. They have a, uh, their friend that has died, Lazarus. He's buried. They send word to Jesus, but Jesus shows up late, they say. And if you've ever seen a loved one lose their health, die, you understand how much worry, how much lack of peace there is in that situation. And yet Jesus shows up and he goes, hey, let's go ahead and get the stone out. Lazarus, come on out. But even then, Martha's like, hey, Jesus, I don't know if you know this. Uh, he'd been in there four days. He's going to stink. And what does he say? Just believe. Believe that I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you see how believing in the promises leads to a life of peace? Not ease. Not ease. Peace. <laughs> Lazarus comes out and he's well. It's an amazing thing when I look at the disciples how much peace they should have had because they walked with Jesus. Now, he said he'll send another helper. Who is that? The Holy Spirit. And that is why we're here. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in every believer. And just as Jesus was there for the disciples, the Holy Spirit was there for the disciples once he left. And the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us. And one of the characteristics that the Holy Spirit fills his people with is peace. It doesn't take him too long to get there for that description. You see that in Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be a person that is growing in peace. Three key areas when we're talking about peace. Living for the glory of God, believing the promises of God, and being filled with the Spirit of God. Those are three keys. If you're going to have the peace that the Bible talks about, those are three key areas that you have to have. All right. And then finally, three relationships. And this will go a little bit faster. Three relationships uh, that we deal with peace, that, that we want to see peace in. Number one is peace with God. This is primary. All other peace out there won't suffice if we don't have peace with God. Your soul will be restless until it finds peace in God. Cannot have peace if Jesus is not the most glorious person in our lives. That's what we see here. So the angel's message. So back to the glory question. Is God most glorious in your life? Is he the one that you glorify? Is he the one you anchor your life to? The one you live for? You want to know when life becomes stressful? When you're the king and everybody else serves you. Or you're the queen and everybody else serves you. You will not have peace. If it's a kingdom unto your own. Peace comes through glorifying God and he is glorified through Christ. I think it's interesting. It says in Ephesians 2, if you're taking notes, write that down. Ephesians 2, 13 to 14. But now in Christ, you who are once far off, that's us. 
we were far off, once we were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Now this is very, very important. We were far off, we've been brought near. Why? Because we made it to church every Sunday? No. Because we give every Sunday? No. Why have we been brought near? Because of the blood of the cross. Jesus is our peace because of what Jesus has done. Our faith is in his work, not our works. And by grace we have been saved. In Ephesians, he goes on, Jesus has broken down the wall of hostility and reconciles us to God. So you have two warring parties. If you've ever been in a fight with somebody, it's always awkward, right? You don't want to walk by them in the hallway. You might light them up. There's always this hostility, this angst. That's how it is between God and those who don't know Jesus. There is a wall of hostility that keeps one from the other. And yet God sends Jesus to break the wall down. Now, I'm going to give you this illustration, and it's silly, but I wanted to show you how this connects. There's these things called the burden. Berlin Walls in the Tough Mudder. Tough Mudder, it's like a 12-mile obstacle course race. And the reason why I like it is that the obstacles, you get to stop running. Right? So I'm able to survive the Tough Mudder. But first obstacle you come to is a dumpster filled with ice water. And you keep on seeing all these bags of ice and coolers, and the people on the side working the event are just dumping these bags of ice in. And I mean, you go like 100 yards of football field, you get to this thing, like, oh, this is awful. It is awful. And you get to the middle of the dumpster and you have to go all the way under this board and back out. Some people are terrified of being stuck under the water, right? And so it plays on your fears. But I get it. I go under, come out. We're on the other side. And I'm going with my brothers and my uncles and we're making it through. Um, that is an obstacle you can make it through yourself, right? It's painful, not fun. You're freezing and now you're wet the rest of the day, but you can make it. There's a pipe that you crawl through. So if you're claustrophobic, it goes down into the mud and back out. That one's terrifying for me. I hate being in tight spaces. But you can do that on your own. As a matter of fact, you have to do it on your own. Or else you get stuck in the pipe. Right? So you make it through. Uh, then you got these electrical obstacles. Right? And, and you're army crawling through and you got to keep your head down or bam, you're going to get zapped. As a matter of fact, it was Andrew that was going through and he caught a shoulder and he said it felt like a sledgehammer. It sounded like that buzz you get with the bug zapper. That's what it sounded like. So I'm not going to follow his route. I'm going to go over here. And I'm going to just hug it, but you made it through by yourself. Then I get to this wall, right? Look at it. That doesn't look very challenging, right? Something you need to know about me. I've never been gifted with a high vertical jump, right? Even when I was in shape, playing basketball and football, lifting every day, I could touch the rim. I grew my fingernails out. And it would skim the rim. I'm not grabbing. I'm just touching the rim, right? And so I have the bright idea, you know what? I'll just kick off right here and be able to grab the top, pull myself up. Well, I go to do that. And I had just done the uh, dumpster of ice water. What are your shoes? They're slick. There's mud on this obstacle. I hit the wall. My shoe gives way. Boom. Flat against the wall. I'm thinking, that's probably not my best move. Then... We get one guy, you start here, you, you put this down, get him up, he gets up there, and then he stays. And then the next guy, help up, grab hands, get him up and over, get him up and over, get him up and over. And then the last guy jumps, this guy's leaning way over, and if you have to, you hold his feet on this side, and you help everybody up. Nobody's getting over the wall by themselves. In the same way, when it comes to your sin, no one's climbing that wall. You are not getting to God on your own. There's only one who can help you over that wall. And his name's Jesus. That's why we celebrate. That's why the angels are breaking out in song because they see what's happening. Oh, this is how they're going to be rescued.
That's what we celebrate at Christmas. We can have peace with God because Jesus came to earth to die, to break down this wall of hostility. So, number one, peace with God. Romans 5.1 puts it this way, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have that peace? Have you ever received Jesus? Have you believed in Jesus to save you from your sin? Or are you still living in your sin? No peace with God. I want you to be crystal clear. This is your relationship status. Make it clear. It's not complicated. Do you live for Christ or do you live for yourself? Peace is with Christ. And then a couple of other things and we'll close. Number two, peace with self. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I think that's very, very important. Will guard your hearts. The peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts. And now listen, this is for those who already have peace with God. This is a very stressful place to live. Very stressful place to live. Your work. Your relationships, your children, your parents, stressful. And what happens is, what, he, what he's saying here is the anxiety, the worries, the doubt. Can Jesus really save me? Look at what I've done. Look at how I've messed this up. The circumstances. What here, the gospel writer is saying is, no, God will guard your hearts. And the peace that surpasses all understanding will keep you from that. Now, I think it's very, very important when we look at Paul. Paul put to death people who were following Jesus. If anybody had a past, it was Paul. And then, if anyone had bad circumstances, it was Paul. So God radically changes his life, saves him, and he's out, he's preaching the gospel, building churches, but then he's beaten up, beaten with rods, thrown in jail. What is he doing in jail? He's singing hymns and praying to God. You are not singing hymns if you don't have peace in your heart. My man has a past worse than anybody in the room and circumstances worse than anybody in the room. And yet he knew the peace that surpasses all understanding. That peace can be your peace. So if you are here and you have doubts and you have anxiety and you have stress, it's very, very important to run to Jesus. As a matter of fact, Peter put it this way, cast all of your cares on him for he cares for you. The only way you will be able to make it through with peace that surpasses all understanding to yourself is remembering who you are in Christ. We play this team, a team that I refuse to name. They have about 100 guys in their student section and every year somebody will get fouled and they go to the free throw line and then you hear this chant. He's scared. He's shaking. You know he ain't going to make it. And sure enough, sometimes that is true. Right? The guy gets to the line, and all of a sudden, my man can't catch the pass from the referee. Like, goes out like, oh, my gosh. He starts to dribble in his routine to shoot the free throw. He's dribbling off his foot. And you're like, oh, he is scared. He, he ain't going to make it. We all know he ain't going to make it. He has enough, hard enough time making a free throw by himself. And now he's got these guys. But then some guys, super confident, they don't hear anything. It's loud. They don't care. They're so focused on what they have to do. Give me the ball. Dribble twice. Line it up. Boom. Money. It's as if no one's yelling at them, even though the gym's rocking. You see, life's going to be loud. But when you're focused on Jesus, you can have peace. 
And I'm not saying this is going to be easy. As a matter of fact, the opposite's promised. If you're following Jesus, it's going to be tough. It's going to be stressful. It's going to be a lot of issues and circumstances you don't understand. That's why it's a peace that surpasses understanding. How in the world can this person have peace when their life's falling apart? Oh, it's because they know the God of peace. They know the peacemaker. And then finally, I'm closing with peace with others. And this is the one you don't have control of. Right? You don't have control whether you have peace with others. It says in Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This was my goal as security, right? I'm not picking on any students. I'm living as peacefully as I can with students until I can anymore. Right? This is how we should live our lives in our community, in our family, in our neighborhoods. Here's the crazy part. There was a, a vigil for Keter not too long ago. And you see with the shirts and the bracelets and the visual, you're trying to get an awareness for anti-gun violence, right? We are a people desperate for peace. There's only one way for this city to experience peace. And that's through Christ. And here's the awesome part. This is my, my dream for Covington and for this city and for homes is that as people, you and I, find our peace in Christ, we become peacemakers. You see, when, when my identity is Christ and I'm good before God, I don't really care if people are capping on me or what they say about me or the circumstances. The most important person on the planet, Jesus, loves me and has called me to himself. Nothing else can touch me. And when you have that peace, peace can spread. So if Covington is to know peace, if it's going to rain down in the neighborhoods, it's going to be as people follow the peacemaker. So I'm going to close service. I'm going to ask two questions, right? And I'm going to ask eyes closed, heads bowed. Not right now, but just, just a little bit. And listen, I know there's a lot of distractions, but I want you to focus. There's two things I want to pray for you about, right? And this is just for me. If you're here and you, do, and you know you do not have peace with God, but you want to know Jesus, the peacemaker, I want you to let me know that so I can pray for you in just a few moments. So if you're here and you're like, Ben, I know I don't have peace with God. I want to have peace with God. Will you pray for me? I want to see a hand. And then the second group of people that I, I want to see, Ben, this Christmas season, there's a lot of stress going on. I'm struggling with, I, I know Jesus. I have peace with God, but I'm struggling inside. There's all sorts of anxieties and cares and depression. And will you pray for me? And then the third group is what we did Thursday night. We prayed for people that are lost, that don't know Christ, that have no peace with God. And I want to pray for boldness. And you say, hey, Ben, I need a little bit more boldness. I need some, some clarity. I need some opportunities to share the gospel uh, so the gospel of peace can go out. Will you pray for me? And so those are the, the three questions I'm getting ready to ask. I wanted to prep you before we pray. But all I'm doing is praying. I'm not going to ask anybody to stand up. I'm not going to single anybody out. I don't want anybody looking around. But I want you to be honest. And we're going to close this time in prayer and we're going to pray for God to move because he does that. All right. So let's bow our heads. Bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. And so and so right now, um, three questions. First question is, Ben, I know that I don't have peace with God. I want to. Will you pray for me? Will you lift up your hand? You lift up your hand. You're here. You say, I know I don't have peace with God. Will you pray for me? Hands all over. Hands out. We'll definitely pray. Definitely pray. All right. 
Second group of people, then I have peace with God, but there is no peace in my life. Will you pray for me? All right. And then the final group. Then there's a lot of people in my life that I care about and love, and I know that they don't know the peace of God. And I'll have opportunities over the next few weeks. Will you pray for boldness so I can share the gospel, the gospel of peace? Will you raise your hand? Absolutely. All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that today be a day of salvation for those who do not know you. They know they don't have peace with you, and I think that's the first step. So I pray that they don't stay in their sin, but that they run to Jesus, that they trust in him for their salvation. And I pray that they call to him to be saved today. Father, I pray with several of us that are dealing with stressful situations and circumstances in our lives, whether it's depression, anxiety, uh, it could be just the busyness of the season, some health issues, relationship issues. Father, I ask that we get our eyes back on you so that we can experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. Please guard our hearts, Lord. And then, Father, I pray for that group that uh, will have opportunities. I pray that you give us a boldness to share the message of peace. And then I pray uh, that we're clear, that we see those opportunities. Pray you deliver us from temptation to be quiet. Pray that we use this season as an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you for the peace that you have poured out through your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.